When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like a wanderer, the sun gone down, darkness beyond me, my rest a stone, yet in my dream i Welcome to Strange Familiars Podcast. We cover a range of topics, from the paranormal to cryptids, to the occult, to mythology and folklore. Some of our shows will be presented over multiple episodes, while others will be one-shot features. I'm Timothy Renner. And I'm Anthony Hoskin. Please make sure to like and subscribe to us wherever you are listening, YouTube, iTunes, or via any other service. If you have any idea for any strange stories you would like us to cover, or if you have experienced something strange yourself, please contact us by email, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com, or find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash strangefamiliars. Welcome to episode two. We're continuing with our story about Toad Road and the Seven Gates of Hell, a legend from York County, Pennsylvania. If you didn't hear episode one, go back and listen now. We'll be here when you get back. So for those that did listen to episode one, or or 
those who want to start with episode two, I guess we need to uh, just do a quick recap. So we started off up at Toad Road and talked about the, the legends up there. A legend of m- mad doctors and, and a burning asylum. Yeah, the the the, uh, the mad doctor who wasn't mad and the burning ins- asylum that, that never, was never there. That, that was never there. As we went over in episode one, they, these are just stories. Um, I ha- we have theories how they became associated with Toad Road, but uh, the fact is that there never was an insane asylum, and uh, there never was a mad doctor who kept patients in his house or his mansion that burnt down. We did connect uh, two doctors to the story. You can go back and hear the details of that, but uh, definitely not mad doctors. And there was no asylum in York at all. No. So this popular legend uh, about Toad Road and the Seven Gates of Hell, it's, it's more recent. And what I originally heard in regards to the Seven Gates of Hell when I moved to York County in the mid-1990s, was uh, I heard they were first located at Hex Hollow, which is Ray Myers Hollow, in the southern part of the county. And I also heard they were located in Prospect Hill Cemetery. In episode one, we also talked about Hex Hollow. We covered uh, Nelson Ray Meyer and uh, his unfortunate murder and burning of his body and the strange things that happened following that in Hex Hollow. Yeah, both preceding and following it, uh, we we covered some ghost stories that happened there uh, before Raymar, at least before Raymar's murder. And we talked a lot about the Cadoras Creek, which is the one thing that connects these locations in York County. It flows northward from Hex Hollow and into York City. And that's where we're going for this episode, to Prospect Hill Cemetery. It's the other place I heard where the Seven Gates of Hell were supposed to be located. Yeah, the Prospect Hill Cemetery is a, is a beautiful cemetery. Uh, it, it's 170 acres of land. It used to be an orchard. People were buried there as early as 1835, and it became an official cemetery in 1849. So do you think they were burying people in the orchard, since, since it wasn't <laughs> an official cemetery yet? Under the apple tree. That would uh, be a beautiful place. It's still a beautiful place, but just it, not in that. that uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That, yeah. It was sort of uh, part of the Victorian cemetery uh, phenomenon craze. Uh, how would you say it? Trend. It, uh, it, during this time, they, they decided to kind of make cemeteries uh, beautiful. Uh, a lot of statuary. They made them park-like. Pe- yeah. People would actually go... You can go, stroll through the, through the cemetery. People would go on the weekends. They would go have picnics in the cemetery. It wasn't an unusual thing because uh, they made them just, just very you know nice-looking places. And, and Prospect Hill is ab- absolutely a, a, a fantastic, uh, well-kept, beautiful cemetery. Yeah, and a great example of the, the Victorian era cemetery. Absolutely. It's also located just a couple blocks from Cadoras Creek. Besides that, and I don't know how much of the strangeness we can we can throw into the creek or or pull out of it. Yeah. But again, that's just the the thing that connects these three locations. So we have to we have to uh, ponder. Yeah. It, it causes uh, the imagination to stir. Exactly. Yeah. So, 
as we're talking about these these seven gates possibly located there, the, the way the seven gates were supposed to work were by a series of circuitous routes. In other words, you would you would make the, a loop or a circle, or you would do a pattern e- either through Hex Hollow or the cemetery. It was supposed to work the same way in both locations. They weren't physical gates. Each loop was to open a, sort of a, a symbolic gate. A passage. And the, the old part of the cemetery, the part that would have been built or would have been there during Victorian times is laid out in circles. There's a practical reason for this. It's because they, they had horse-drawn hearses and, mm-hmm. and carriages that would have been there for the funerals. And the, the circular tracks make it a lot easier to navigate for, for the, uh, the horses. It's very strange going there now and seeing the two distinct patterns set up, the, the circular routes and then the more linear, modern uh, uh, paths that they have. The, the the older uh, circular routes are kind of uh, seem a bit more uh, beautifully laid out than the the kind of plain linear paths. Yeah, it becomes very uh, boxy. Yeah, in, in, very in sterile times. in a weird way. Yeah, they, they really had to, I guess, plan when they laid out the the uh, the circular plots to, for people to be buried in, and uh, of course. People were being buried on top of each other. Yeah. If if you look at some of the the plots, yeah, not the everybody... way the earth shifted, they kind of uh, fell into each other too over time. Yeah, yeah. But even amongst family plots, not everyone has a tombstone. If you're looking for someone in particular, my wife was doing some research on some York photographers there, and uh, we actually were given the, their family plot. Not everybody's marked there, so some of the photographers she was looking for weren't even they didn't have headstones they're just in there with the other people either buried on top or alongside and unmarked and so forth so it's uh there's a lot of uh there's a lot of bodies in there not all of them uh with tombstones yeah and then uh to add to our little story here the the main building is called the gate lodge the gate lodge uh kind of adds to the the theory of the seven gates. Yeah, that was one of the things that stood out. If you're looking for sort of gate synchronicities here, this is uh, it's beautiful. There. It's a beautiful building, too. It, it I mean, really uh, complements the, the cemetery well, but it is called the Gate Lodge. <laughs> and at the time I was writing the book, I also looked at Google Satellite View just out of curiosity. I wanted to count the number of ways in and out of the cemetery. So this includes maintenance, roads, and walking paths. But the way I counted, I, I counted seven ways in and out of Prospect Hill Cemetery, which, again, if if you want to consider those gates, uh, I don't believe every one of them has a gate on it. But I just found that odd, uh, another synchronicity. Here we have seven sort of gates in and out of Prospect Hill Cemetery. Who knows how many gates there were? And during Victorian times, and I'm sure it's changed a lot over the years, we, we know for a fact that, for instance, there was a, a fence there uh, in, in the early 1900s that's now just a, a low uh, uh, stone wall. Yeah, that comes into play with the, with the story we have coming up. With uh, It's a ghost story. Uh, the Victorian-era cemeteries are usually have plenty of ghost stories, uh, but for some reason there doesn't seem to be many associated with Prospect Hill. But we do have one. We do have one, and uh, it's it's one of my favorite ghost stories of all time. 
if you have any other stories, if you're listening and you have any other stories uh, about Prospect Hill Cemetery, we'd love to hear them. So you can email those to us if you have them. Yeah, get in touch, email or Facebook. Uh, we, we'd love to hear them because uh, I'm sure there's more. I'm sure there's more stories in, for Prospect yep. Hill, but they're just we haven't found them. I haven't read any uh, in the local ghost story books, to my knowledge. I may be forgetting some. But uh, there as far- are so many people interred there. There has to be more stories. Exactly. But as as far as the story we did find, it's uh, like I said, it's one of my favorites. Uh, we've started to call it the singing corpse. Pennsylvania Cemetery, York, Pennsylvania, April 5th. Prospect Hill Cemetery, with a great majority of York's departed rest, though opened more than half a century ago, has, strange to say, never had a ghost story associated with it until now, when one of the most weird tales that has ever afforded diversion for the lovers of the uncanny is occupying the public mind. Just before sunrise one morning recently, an employee of the electric light company was engaged in placing fresh carbons in the electric lamps, which at night light the York and Baltimore Pike between this city and the borough of North York, when the melodious strains of a voice of angelic sweetness broke upon the silence of the hour. Nearer my God to thee was being rendered in a style that would have caused a choir master to go into ecstasies but what the lone lamp man saw caused his blood to run cold. About twenty rods from the fence, standing beside a dark mound, masked by a marble headstone, was the figure of a man clad in full evening dress. One hand rested upon the headstone, the other hanging gracefully by his side held what was apparently a crushed hat. The moonlight revealed a face of deathly pallor, and the bloodless lips of the weird singer were plainly seen to move as the hymn progressed. So frightened was the lamp man that he abandoned his work and sprinted for York, never lessening his gait until he arrived within the city limits, breathless and shaking from fright. Since the lamp man's adventure, the recounting of which amazed his friends and set the tongues of the superstitious to wagging, the mysterious singer has been seen and heard at varied hours of the night by streetcar motormen and conductors and pedestrians in their transit between North York and York. Harry Metzel and George Adams, two young men residing in the southeastern section of the city, hearing the tales told of the strange singer, 
had their curiosity aroused to such an extent that they resolved to spend a night in the cemetery as watchers and interview his ghost ship if the singers proved to be of the spirit world. Last Friday night was selected as the time and the thrilling experience is best told in Metzl's own words. I've never placed any stock in ghosts, and my friend Adams is not overly credulous. When I asked him if he would be afraid to spend a night in the cemetery with me to watch for the singer, he said he thought no harm could come of us in a place that is peopled with the dead, and readily agreed to accompany me. It was 9.30 when we entered the cemetery by scaling the fence. The spot where the singer appears had been pointed out to me on a previous morning. Under a pine tree about 50 rods from the spot, we found a rustic seat, which we occupied. An hour passed without incident, and we had become so engrossed in our conversation that we had quite forgotten the object of our visit to this lonely place. Suddenly Adams, who was talking, ceased and clutched me by the arm. Look, he exclaimed, and following the direction indicated by his pointed finger, I saw, standing at a graveside with his back towards us, a well-built man, somewhat above medium height and attired in a dark suit. Neither Adams or myself had observed how the man, or apparition, for now I am not certain which of these it might have been, reached the graveside. My heart was beating ragtime, and I could hear Adams's heart beating against his ribs, when a sweet, clear voice, the like of which I had never heard before, echoed through the trees. It was the singer, sure enough, and he was singing nearer, my God, to thee. Enraptured, we both listened. We could not move. Our limbs seemed to be paralyzed. When the singer concluded the last verse of the hymn, I regained enough of my courage to find my voice, and I shouted, Hello there! Who are you? Slowly the figure wheeled about, and we saw a face of deathly pallor and a pair of eyes that were glowing like live coals fixed upon us. That was enough for us. We made a dash for the fence, and how we ever managed to scramble over it, I'm at a loss to know. Had a band of wild Indians been at our heels, we could not have made better time in reaching York. Are we going to watch again? No, thank you. Once is enough for us. So far as we're concerned, the singer can have Prospect Hill Cemetery all to himself any night he wants. If the singer is immortal, he is wasting his time singing in cemeteries, for his voice could bring him a fat salary and a church choir. It is the opinion of those not governed by superstition that the vocalist is some melancholy or morbid person whose grief for the departed friend leads him to choose a cemetery in the witching time of night for the exercise of his vocal powers. From the St. Louis Republic, St. Louis, Missouri, April 6, 1902. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. With my waking thoughts brought thy praise out of my stony griefs, Bethel, I will raise so by my 
to be nearer, my God, to January 25th, 2017, we're walking in Prospect Hill Cemetery in York, Pennsylvania. We're in the old Victorian section. We're trying to find an area that could have been where the singing corpse was standing. We are right now kind of centrally located within the old section of the cemetery uh, so in theory we should be seeing somewhere at least the area that the scene corpse was uh, seen we're, we're, we're either within sight of that or within we're within sight of uh, where they were when they saw it yeah where Metzl's uh, rustic seat as he calls it he said it was under an evergreen and there's only a few evergreens here that are probably old enough to have been there in the early 1900s, the 19 aughts, <laughs> when, uh, when that article was written. The idea was to hopefully find a grave of maybe a singer or a performer, something that, that uh, would make sense for the singing corpse to, to be standing on and maybe he was mourning maybe it was him if it was his ghost or maybe he was there mourning uh, someone else and that's why he was he was singing his hymn we do know there is a performer in here it's Lady Delilah we're going to go ahead and, and uh, walk to her stone and look at the date I believe it's right over there big tomb with the lady reaching her arm heavenward. Delilah Burnham, her husband, I believe, owned the Opera House in New York, and she was a performer. So Delilah Burnham died May 1881. 81. Uh, she was only 48, sorry. 48 years old, and her husband built this monument to her. She was uh, a performer at the York Opera House. I don't know if she was an actress or a singer, but uh, her husband built a, a beautiful monument to her. And the idea here was to, to see if, uh, if perhaps uh, whoever was singing was maybe singing for Delilah. And actually this is on a mound. It is on a mound. It's a, maybe a little far. Um, it really depends on which pine tree yeah. they, were, they were sitting under, or evergreen tree, I should say. Well, wherever the singing corpse was standing, it'd be interesting uh, to note that it had red glowing eyes. Now, the problem with that is uh, not too many humans 
have red glowing eyes. No. And to me, that's the thing that keeps it uh, in the in the realm of the supernatural. I guess um, the fact that both the the employee of the electric light company, who first reported the singing corpse, and Metzel and Adams report it as having red glowing eyes. That said, how many ghosts have red glowing eyes? I'm, I'm just not that uh, versed in, in ghost research. I'm sure it's come up before, but what does have red glowing eyes? And, and there's a strong debate all throughout the internet of uh, what causes the red glowing eyes, why uh, symbolically it might, it might be there, or what the phenomenon would be to cause the the, uh, the appearance, at least, of red glowing eyes. When we get these reports of red glowing eyes, it, it, they tend to come up with these cryptid creatures with Bigfoot, Mothman, Phantom Hounds, sometimes Dogman. I'm sure I'm leaving out Chupacabras. I'm sure I'm leaving out... Uh, any others so the goat man what wh why are they why do they have red glowing eyes what's what's the uh, what does that symbolize does it indicate that they are purely supernatural entities is is this uh, some people say it's demonic the the glowing red eyes represent some kind of demonic power and if it if these are cryptic creatures that have the the red glowing eyes we're here in the middle of a city. This cemetery is in the middle of the city, and there just aren't that many reports of these creatures in the city. Which, to me, if they're supernatural, would, would it matter to them if they're manifesting in a city or in a rural area? Exactly. And then there's the there's the question of if there's more people and more deaths, uh, why would it not? Why would settings not be more abundant uh, where more things have happened? more deaths and such. Yeah, where more more souls are interred because in rural areas you certainly uh, get more more cryptid reports around graveyards are certainly uh, plenty. Very strange. Uh, a lot of Bigfoot reports in, in rural cemeteries and so forth. Now that's not to say you don't ever get cryptid reports in the cities. You do. They're just very rare. Sometimes you get uh, some dogman reports with the creatures in, in cities or in big towns and uh, even rarely Bigfoot reports in, in parks in uh, towns and cities. But you just there's just not that many. The reason I bring this up is because on, on either end of our, our location here today, I'd say... Uh, Prospect Hill Cemetery here is probably equidistant between Hex Hollow and, and Toad Road. It is the in-between. And two blocks away from the Cadores Creek, flowing northward from, from Hex Hollow, past the cemetery here, and up to Toad Road. And you get a lot of similar reports of these mystery lights at both Toad Road and Hex Hollow. The, the black dogs are in both places. So... If they're natural creatures, if, if these cryptids are somehow just undiscovered natural creatures, it certainly makes sense that they, they would be in the rural areas for food and, and uh, 
and food and places to hide. Yeah, to, to hide. If they're supernatural, why wouldn't they appear here as well? And maybe there are reports of, of mystery lights in the cemetery here. If, if anybody knows any, uh, we'd love to hear them. Yeah, absolutely. Get in contact with us. We're uh, we're never done researching uh, this story. It's forever questions. Uh, I also, I keep thinking when I think of the red eyes, there's the. You, I don't know if it's just me. It's everybody. You think of red eyes with photography. We're not talking about photography here. We're talking about. Uh, first-hand account exactly uh, because you know the red eye conditioning with cameras and optics is is uh, it, we know how that happens and in fact if you don't have red eyes there, there's children who only have say one red eye that comes up when, when photographed uh, that's an indication of a certain cancer oh you wow. don't have if a child has it's it's the camera light reflecting off the rods in the back of the eye right something the, the, uh, yeah, I'm not sure of the, the exact science, but it's, it's reflecting off something. As you see dogs with green eyes or, or sometimes red eyes, I guess. But yeah, if you <laughs> if you don't have red eyes, there's an issue in photography. But we're not talking about photography here. Right, and even if we were, uh, they didn't have color. Very true. At that time. Very true. So, <laughs> so, but it is worth noting. Yeah, I get that. And, and the, the red eyes, it's, it's absolutely worth noting that... that when people report them now there have been photographs of things you know red glowing eyes eye shine and stuff in the woods but most of the time when people report them they're reporting seeing red glowing eyes and a lot of times with very little or no light so you wonder uh, it's been put forth that these things just have huge eyes so they can see at night and that's what's reflecting you know, like an owl you know there's a much proportionately much larger eyes and the pupils where the, where the reflection comes from. Uh, yeah, or, or just even ambient light sources um, that that you wouldn't think would be enough to, to reflect off of the eyes. Like like deer, when they get hit by headlights, that's obviously yeah. you know, it's reflecting. But some people suggest that, that these huge pupils to, to allow for night vision reflect uh, light, and that's what people are seeing. But but sometimes people are reporting this in the middle of the woods, you know, where, where there's... I mean, how much ambient light can there be yeah. in the middle of the woods it, it, when, uh, you know, under tree cover and in, in the shadows and these, these things have they, the, the eyes in, in many of these cases seem to be self-luminous. So what does that mean? What is that about? I think it was very important to note and the photography thing because people think that right away, but you have to go down to the fact that it is, as you just said, it could be self-luminous and that is the interesting part that is the unnatural part absolutely as i would think i'm not a, an an expert on optics but i would think that self-luminous eyes would be uh prohibitive as far as night vision <laughs> they would negatively affect your your night vision but uh i, I certainly could be wrong there We just came upon a grave uh, of Metzl, which is uh, not a super common name, even around here. I'm looking to see if we have a Harry. This looks to be a, a family plot. Just a 
little bit of synchronicity. We just, of all the tombs we walked upon, we came up upon the Metzl family plot. It's completely unexpected. I don't see a Harry Metzl here, but that doesn't mean that he's not here. As, uh, as I said, there's a lot of, uh, unmarked burials in here. Sometimes the family just didn't have enough money to, to carve another name in the, in the tombstones. So, as we were talking about ghosts, and I, I think it would be safe to say that, uh, there are no experts when it comes to ghosts either. No one knows for sure what we're talking about, whether we're dealing, truly dealing with energies of, of the dead. But there are certainly people that research it more than others, and uh, maybe people that are, that are tuned in more than others. And uh, you had a very interesting experience the other day at at an antique store uh kind of locally it's the next county over it's in new oxford in uh adams county i believe yeah which is uh right near to a, a place where we've had some mothman type sightings uh just of, of interest they they call it old red eye over there <laughs> speaking of red glowing eyes but uh, you were in an antique store—an antique store where, in fact, you've you've had a sort of ghostly experience before. Yes, uh, and I'll preface this by saying, as I say all the time, I consider myself a, a healthy blend of uh, skeptic and believer. Um, I don't know exactly where I stand, you know, on, on the matter. But uh, I was there about two years ago in the basement of this antique store. And it was nothing like you would think a a sighting or anything like that would be of of anything paranormal. I was in, I was just looking around with my family. My mother was there and uh, she was looking in a case and I was, I was kind of looking with her. I was a little behind her and there was a gentleman behind me and I asked my, my mom to, to move up so the gentleman could pass and when I looked again, he was not, there was no, nobody there. Uh, but I, I had a, a faint, you know, I, could, I, I knew what he looked like. Um, it's, it's really hard to explain. I knew what he looked like. Uh, it was an older gentleman, uh, white hair and, and a, a short beard. Um, I very distinctly remember what he looked like, but he wasn't there. Uh, upon doing some, some, uh, or asking some questions, I found that at that particular antique store they have had, or in that building, they have had many sightings. In fact, on their website, they have uh, many things detailed, uh, videos and such, at least last time I I saw it. So I was there again. This was two years later. I think it's probably okay to say the name if they're putting ghost stuff. Yes, yes. It was was Golden Lane Antiques in uh, New Oxford. And uh, I was there again. Um... And as we were paying for for something that was that that we bought or that we we picked up, obviously, um, 
I was talking to the lady at the counter. Somehow it, it came up. I was looking at these books that were, were by the counter. Uh, and she pointed out that they were written by the owner. They were all books on paranormal uh, things. Uh, so she was talking, and somehow my, my uh, experience came up. And out of the office, uh, the owner came came walking out, and he stood right before me. He was a pleasant man. Uh, I told him the experience, and the first thing he said was, yes, you have someone following you right now. Um, I was startled, to say the least, but uh, almost not surprised. Um, so I talked to him a little bit, and then the next thing he said is... is uh, I get a lot of energy from you. So that was a, a pretty crazy experience. So that video you got at Golden Lane, was that the same day? That no, that was actually... I, I had a video uh, of... It was in the basement of Golden Lane. And it, Do you still have it? I, it, I believe it's on Instagram, but I, do, I don't have it saved on my phone anymore. Yes, when when the when the experience happened, the whole basement was opened, and in the back they had a room where they did uh, where they uh, it was like a headquarters for a ghost hunting thing, and and uh, they did they, seances. Seances, they, they say, yeah. It was a back room uh, at, at the basement. They had kind of uh, uh, not roped off, but it was it was kind of a private thing. But it was back there; you could see it. Since then, they've they've uh, closed that area. But when I was there, this was maybe a year, a year and a half after the experience, I just decided the video, the area, it was, it was black, it was just darkness, because they didn't have the lights turned on and it was kind of roped off. I videoed the area that they used to have that, the, the seance things in and stuff, because it, it honestly has a, a, a strange feeling to it. It's, um, and, and like I said, I, I try to be a, a healthy blend of, of skeptic and believer, but I can't deny that it has uh, a strange feeling uh, when you're down there. So I videoed it, videoed it, and we left, my family and I left, and we went to another antique store, and I was watching the video with my son at the next antique store we were at, and then I showed it to the rest of my family because there appeared to be something uh, that went across the screen. It wasn't an orb. It wasn't. Um, I don't know what it was. It it's just a, looked like a movement. Yeah, it's. Uh, I want to say a shadow, but it's not a shadow of someone passing by. It's not like that. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it, it just. I don't know how to explain it. It looks like an energy kind of moving across, and it 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 was faint, but it was distinct enough to be able to say, "Hey, what can? What is that? Can that be something?" If we can, we'll we'll link it or or even put it in the video if we if we can uh, uh, figure it out the the tech end of that. Yeah, and, and definitely check out the Golden Lane Antiques website. And if you have a chance to visit, maybe you can uh, feel the strangeness that I'm referring to. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll go out there one day and see if they'll let us do it an on site. I, I hope so because actually the owner said, and I told you this, but but to share it with our, our listeners. On, on my way out, the owner said, uh, "Come back and play with our friends anytime." And uh, I have to say, it didn't sound crazy. So, <laughs> so uh, we'll take him up on that, maybe. And we're gonna continue looking for vessels yeah, here. I just want to note that we've been through Prospect Hill several times since writing the book, several times before, several times in the course of writing the book. Not once have I stumbled upon any vessels. Today we've come upon two separate uh, 
Metzl family plot. Yes, you and I talk about synchronicities a lot, and uh, it's always interesting when it happens. And we were just uh, w- walking along and talking about Metzl, and here we, we stumble upon the I have Metzl to, plots. I have to say, Metzl is not a super common name to the point where uh, I wondered if it was a misprint, if his name was a misprint in the original article. I, I wondered if it was uh, Wetzel, which we have a ton of Wetzels around yeah. here. But uh, I'm certain it was Metzl now. We don't know if uh, Harry's grave is even in here, but it's just interesting to to find some some Metzl family plots just randomly as we're walking. That was quite the synchronicity. So there'll probably be a lot of editing because we've just let the uh, recorder run the entire time we've been out here. The, the hope was we'd maybe uh, capture some EVP recordings or uh, just as we walked, if things have come up that we've talked about, um, we're obviously not going to play the whole thing and, and, and have the listener hear us uh, walking around <laughs> 170 acres of, of graves. We were, were fortunate to stumble across some interesting things with the... the um Metzl tunes. I'd, I'd say we'd do a whole show on synchronicity, but in a way, I think the entire podcast is always about synchronicity. In a way, yeah, I, I can agree with that. I, I think uh, when when you get into this kind of research, um, at least as I've gotten into it, synchronicities just pop up left and right uh, to the point where they get almost silly to, to, to keep noting them. <laughs> uh, that said, I do. Uh, it, it happens again and again. It's, it's, uh, and it's always astonishing. It's always a, g- a great feeling when you just so happen to. Yeah, and I think that's them. that's part of the. I tend to say there's no such thing as coincidence, and and that's an exaggeration. Uh, obviously, there are coincidences. A synchronicity would be, I guess, a coincidence with meaning. To to sort of simplify it. But perhaps that's when you get that that uh, astonished feeling, that that surprise. Maybe that's uh, one of the indications of synchronicity versus uh, coincidence. Oh, a fun, joyful wing. Cleaving the sky, sun, moon, and stars forgot. Upward I will fly. Still, oh, a song shall be near, my God, to We have an interesting note to add to our little uh, trip to Prospect Hill Cemetery. That is about anomalous lights. While we were there, Anthony was taking several pictures. 
we started and ended at the uh, at the tomb of Delilah Burnham that we were talking about. And as we went there at the end of the day, he took several photographs, and in each one is some sort of light anomaly. Yes, not certain or not saying exactly what, but it is is definitely something there that was not there. I, I took photos when we went the first time, and then when we came back around. And we're not going to say it's an orb. We're not going to say it's a UFO. We're not going to claim it's anything, but it is a light anomaly. Even if it's just a, a lens flare, it's very interesting because we were talking as we were walking that we don't get reports of uh, these light anomalies in Prospect Hill Cemetery, and the, uh, that showed up on the picture. Yeah, we were trying to roll out, you know, a lens flare or whatnot, trying to figure out what it could be. Uh, it's weird because I, I, I don't know my stance on orbs. I, I see, I, I've, I've seen plenty, and uh, I've seen people talk about them, what they could be. I've never been very convinced, but as I was looking through the photos when I got home, after we visited the cemetery, it was very noticeable. They were the last photos I took, and there it was. So it's either something, an orb, or some sort of something, some sort of mystery light, or it's just another synchronicity to add to the day. Yeah, which we were talking about quite a bit as we were walking. The interesting part to me is the blur. That is the most interesting part to me. Out of several photos, two of them were not in focus, and the the anomaly was out of focus with all the physical objects. Yeah, I've zoomed in on it, and it's I, it looks like it has a shadow to it, at least in the right area. The, the sun is on one side of the picture, and there appears to be a shadow uh, on on the uh, the corresponding side of this whatever it is. So it seems like it has dimensionality. I don't know. Maybe it's a dust fleck. Yes, That's, we're trying to rule it out. We're not saying it's anything, but it was very interesting. Uh, another interesting fact that, that uh, Tim's wife pointed out was that there's a array of sun that stays in the same position on all the photographs. The spot itself moves around. It moves um, in some photos. It's closer to the monument. Other times it's further away. Just wanted to, to add that little uh, little bit there at the end. Uh, so maybe, maybe we do have some uh, light anomalies to report in Prospect Hill after all. So we've been to two places where the Seven Gates were originally supposed to be. Uh, The first was Hex Hollow. Uh, The Legend of the Seven Gates. There's the Legend of the Devil's Circle we talked about, which worked an awful lot like the Seven Gates. You'd walk around the stones. uh, No one has said how many times, but I I always say I'd I'd wager money. It's probably seven Seven, times. And it worked just like the Seven Gates. You just walked around the, the Devil's Circle. Uh, and these uh, horrible things would happen as you walked around. And then Matt told us uh, in his story about five bridges. That was a new one to me, where he said there were five bridges you would drive over and your car would stall after the, the fifth bridge. Yeah, I had not heard that one in my entire life, and I'm born and raised. <laughs> but yeah. that's uh, that's just another example. Is Again, it sounds like the seven gates for the, you know, the series of things, the series of things you have to do. Yep. And then uh, and then something bad happens. 
And we talked about or, or heard tales of black dogs and will-o'-the-wisps, uh, glowing fields and ghosts in Hex Hollow. And then we traveled to Prospect Hill Cemetery. Where we heard about the singing corpse. And next time, we're going to head to the main subject. We're going to go back to where we started. We're going to go back to Toad Road, still following the Cadores Creek north. And there we're going to hear even more strangeness. Ghosts, cryptids, mystery lights, black dogs. It's all at Toad Road. And there are also some some legit horrible human activities that occurred down there. Some, some assaults and murders. We'll tell you all about it next episode. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, LLC. Music, art, podcasts, books, and more. DarkHollerArts.com Intro and background music by Stone Breath, which is our band. You can find more at StoneBreath.BandCamp.com Additional voices in this episode were Serata and Michael Anderson. The singer for Near My God to Thee, which you hear throughout this episode, was Martin Bates of Eilis and Gaza. He sang that for Stone Breath, and it appears on our album Cryptids.
sun gone down Darkness beyond me Yet in my dream I near my God to thee, near my God to thee, near to thee. Steps unto heaven, and all that thou sendest me in mercy given. Angels to beckon me nearer, my God, to Thy praise out of my stony griefs, Bethel, I will raise. So by my woes to be nearer, my God, to To thee, nearer to thee. Oh, if a joyful wing cleaving the sky, sun, moon, and stars forgot, upward I will fly. Oh, a song shall be near my God to thee, near my God to thee, near to Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.